Philippians chapter 4, we're going to see how this comes out. i got a lot of thoughts for you, but I, I want to have a little participation tonight. This is going to be, I envision this more of a Bible study with a little bit of discussion more than a sermon, but I may get preachy. Um, it can happen. But Philippians chapter 4, th- this, God uses this verse in my life over and over, and these, these verses in my life over and over and over. Um, in my own personal life, when I'm feeling anxious, um, you know, I, I had the privilege to preach a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning and, and just reminded us from Revelation 21 that this is not our final destination. This is not our home. And we have so much more to long for and to, to, to look forward to and to live for. And I constantly get distracted from that vision. And there's so many things that, that compete for our attention in this life. And, and I don't think that this, these verses are t- telling us to, to live like an ostrich with our head in the sand. But I think it's reminding us to live for eternity. To trust the sovereign God that we say we trust. No matter what is going on, to walk by faith and not by sight. To lean not on our own understanding, but to trust God's wisdom. And I get derailed all the time. I just do. And it steals my joy. It steals my focus. It steals my effectiveness. And you know, by God's grace, He continually reels me back in and just reminds me of this big picture that we're going to look at tonight. So, the book of Philippians is a great book. I, I highly recommend you reading it over and over. It's only what, four chapters, and you can read it as it was originally intended to be read as a letter. You know, you can just forget the chapter numbers and the verse numbers, just just read straight through it. And I would recommend you reading straight through it in a few different translations. won't take long. And a matter of fact, these days we have Bible apps on our phone that read to us. That's pretty handy. You can choose the, the voice you like best and... uh is it Max McLean? Is that the guy that, that's the Bible narrator? Is that, is that right? You know what I'm talking about? Am I just tripping over a name? Does that sound right? I like that guy. On my Bible app, he, does, he narrates the NIV. That's usually why I listen to the NIV, because I like his narration. Um, I encourage you, read it more than once in different translations and look at the flow. And we're reminded all throughout Philippians to rejoice. And we're reminded all throughout Philippians to live for eternity and to live knowing that Christ is real, that Christ is king, that Christ is our humble servant that came and gave himself for us so that we could be saved. But in his humiliation, God exalted him, the name above all names. And no matter what we're going through, we can rest in the fact that one day he's going to make everything right. And every single knee will bow and every single tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's going to happen. And we need to be reminded of that, right? Everything is going to be made right. One day we won't need a sheriff. (laughs) That'll be good. (laughs) That's going to be a good day. 
No crime. I'm a, I can't be preaching my last sermon, sorry. Uh, but we just need that reminder. So Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read first in the ESV. This is starting in chapter 4. Paul's been talking about unity. He's been talking about humility. Love for one another. Having one mind together. And in verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Can I get you all to say always? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness or gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand, or the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A little bit more. Finally, brothers, whatever is true. Now y'all think about this list. And think about what this list represents and think about what is opposite of these words that we're about to read over. Whatever is true. Whatever is honorable. Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, there's a list, right? We got, first, the, the passage opens up, rejoice. Rejoice when? Always. And he says it again, emphatically, rejoice. Now, that's not the same as happiness. That is an abiding joy that comes from an eternal perspective. Rejoice. Not sometimes. Speaking of rejoicing, y'all hear that? <laughs> the doors are shut. Uh, rejoice always. Not when things go well. Not when your bank account is looking good. Not when your retirement is okay. Secure. Always. Rejoice. And then he says, be anxious for nothing or don't be worried or bothered about anything. So you got two emphatics. Always, these are big words, right? Always is a big word. And to not ever be anxious is a big, that's a big statement. But the question is how? It's not, don't worry, be happy. It's, Take your concerns to the Lord and trust Him. 
How? How does this say, what is this, what, y'all help me out, okay? Before I start preaching all night. Rejoice in the Lord always. How does that say to rejoice? Always? And is there, what else? What's the other phrase? In the Lord. In the Lord. Now there you go. It doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances. It says rejoice in what? Paul has some horrible circumstances. I mean, if anybody ever suffered for the gospel, Paul suffered tremendously and was slandered and mistreated and beaten and shipwrecked and, and hungry and cold. and I mean, not in your circumstances, but in the Lord. Does the Lord change? He doesn't change. Is the Lord faithful? He's faithful. Anybody read the book of Job lately? Job questioned the Lord's faithfulness, didn't he? But he didn't change. And he was patient, by the way. The Lord was patient with Job through his suffering. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness be made known to everyone. I think that this is speaking of unity. I, the opposite of this word could be violence. This is in the context, the greater context of Philippians. I think this is saying there's you got reasonableness. It's basically get along with each other by being gentle and not being anxious and overwhelmed and, and, and turning into a frenzy, but trusting the Lord and serving and being gentle and patient with each other. Kind. Does that make sense? Or am I the only one that when I'm feeling anxious and overwhelmed, I tend to get a little bit impatient and snappy? Am I the only one? I'm the only one, okay. Well, look, I'm glad for y'all. I'm glad for y'all. And you know who usually bears the brunt of when I feel anxious and overwhelmed? It's usually your family, the people closest to you. I tried to get Megan not to be here tonight. But I'm, just <laughs> I'm confessing before all of you. A lot of times when we're overwhelmed, it could be something at work. It could be... It could be a, another relationship going on out there that's not going well. It can be finances. It can be all kind of stuff, right, in our, in our life that's just not going smooth. And if it's weighing on us and weighing on us and building up and building up, usually it's one of the children that catch the brunt. <laughs> it's just one thing that just sends you over the edge, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. But that's not what this word's talking about. This is saying, if you're rejoicing in the Lord, then you can have gentleness and you can have patience and you can get along with other people in the middle of a storm. You can. The Lord is at hand. Or, the Lord is near. I think that can be taken in maybe at least two ways. One, the Lord's always everywhere. It's one of my favorite things about God. He is always everywhere. But 
The New Testament is constantly reminding us that Jesus is coming. Jesus preached repentance because the kingdom of God is at hand. We looked at Revelation 21 a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago on Sunday morning that he's coming to make all things new. There's going to be a judgment day. Jesus is coming. Philippians 2 talked about Jesus coming back and every knee bowing and every tongue confessing. The Lord is near. I think it's speaking of primarily that the big picture, the kingdom is coming. The Lord is returning to make all things new. And you know, this is, this is another thing about anxiety or, or being overwhelmed, anxious. A lot of times when we're in that moment of just being anxious, it feels like an eternity. You know what I mean? It's hard, it's hard to take a step back and say, this is not going to last forever. It feels like it's going to last forever. You know what I'm talking about? But it's not going to last forever. Because Jesus is coming back. The Lord is near. And one day in eternity, none of the stock market is not going to matter. In eternity, it won't matter. Our retirement account won't matter in eternity. Now, I know that they do matter, but they don't have to steal our joy. Does that make sense? I'm not saying stick our heads in the sand. I'm saying keep that eternal perspective. All right? And be good stewards as well. Um, the Lord is at hand. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about what? So basically, it's like saying be anxious for nothing. Right? Be anxious for nothing. Do not be anxious about anything. Now that is hard. It's easy to say and hard to do. How? Don't worry, be happy? No. But let, let your anxiousness be like a tripwire that reminds you to pray. The moment you realize, I don't have peace, I don't have joy. I'm not abiding. I'm not my, I don't have joy in the Lord. See, I think sometimes the Lord allows us to, to He reminds us that we, we try to put our joy and our contentment in a lot of things other than Him. And all of those things are going to leave us wanting or anxious. <laughs> but if our joy is not in the Lord, and if we're not being reminded that He isn't near, and we begin to feel anxious, then that's an instant reminder that we need to get back on course. How? Prayer. Prayer. So, it's not saying don't worry, be happy. It's saying don't worry, pray. What are the three words here that are mentioned after uh, when it says don't be anxious, but do what? What does it say? Let your request be made known to God. How? All right, you got prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Now let's think about that. Prayer. I, this is just a general word for prayer. What is prayer? Talking with God. And it awesome how our memory verse was 1 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. 
Is it First Thessalonians? Okay. I always get. I'm always nervous about first and seconds. <laughs> first, Thess- I know it was not Third Thessalonians. First Thessalonians five seventeen. Pray without what? All day long. Keep that attitude of prayer. Talk to God. When you see the beautiful sunset, it reminds you to say, God, you're awesome. You, don't, you didn't just make that, that, that beautiful nature, but you allowed, you created me in a way to be able to recognize it and enjoy it and know that you did that. You called me to yourself and gave me, you adopted me as your child. And now you allow me to recognize that you're the one that made these things. It's not just saying it's awesome or beautiful, but he allowed us to enjoy that. To just all day. So you see a sorry, you see a sunset, you pray. You see an ambulance, you pray. You stub your toe, you pray. Your kids are talking back. Pray. I learned from a book called The Praying Life that our best parenting happens on our knees. I cannot. I can force my child to do something, but I can't make them want it. But Jesus can. Jesus can. And He constantly amazes me if I will stay out of the way and pray how He comes and guides her heart. Sometimes that's hard to wait on, isn't it? But instead of worrying, we pray. We pray. We go to our Father before we go to anybody else. And we talk to Him about anything that's on our heart. We praise Him. We, th- we thank Him. We ask for help. We talk to God. We pray. So that's prayer. That's just talking to God. But what's next? What does y'all's translation say? Petition and supplication. Well, that's clearly a, a more specific word than just the general word for prayer. That's asking for God's help. I heard before, helps me remember what supplication means. We're asking God to supply the need. We're going to Him because we need Him to do what we can't do. Because usually, the stuff that makes us feel anxious are the things that we know that we're not in control of. Right? If you feel like you're in control, then you don't feel anxious. But when you begin to feel you're like you're not in control, that's when we begin to feel anxious. Well, that's when we go to the one who is in control. That's when we trust him with what we can't see. You know, a good example, okay? Uh, A while ago, no, it was just, it was this last sermon. I, I mentioned my buddy Country. I talked to him today. He's in Knoxville area and he was, he's at a halfway house and he got, he's got a job. And he's doing well. He's got a budget. He's going to church. He's, he's, he's at his job. He's known as the guy that prays for people. He's so fired up. And he said, you know, Trey, he said, I had, we get weekend passes, you know, for Sunday I get to go to church. But I was supposed to get a weekend pass to go spend some time. Uh, no, he was going to go buy a car that he had made a deal on. And the guy that is in charge of giving passes 
last minute, revoked his pass. And he said, Trey, it hurt my feelings. He said, kind of got in my feelings a little bit. Now, he didn't tell me how he behaved, but I kind of read between the lines. He probably didn't take it real good at first, right? I'm a grown man. This guy's going to tell me one thing and do another thing. And then he said, but you know, it's so funny the way God works. God closed that door, but I didn't know it at the time. And the next weekend, he was hanging out with his son who just got a new vehicle and has another vehicle that he wants to, to, to give a really, really, really good deal to his dad on because he doesn't want his dad to go into debt on a new car. So God shut that one door and protected the country from going into debt. He didn't understand why until the next weekend when this came about. And he told me, he said, you know, it's so easy to forget God's always in control. Even when it doesn't make sense. And a lot of times when we don't get what we want, when we thought what we needed isn't what we really needed. And when we pray and God doesn't do what we want Him to do, we think He didn't answer our prayer. But He did. He just said no. And He's trustworthy. We go to Him and we trust Him to meet our needs. We keep that eternal perspective. We go to the one who is in control when we recognize that we're not. And it's actually a good thing to know that you're not in control. To be reminded that we need God. Now, am I the only one? When things are going well, I'm more likely to coast in my spiritual walk with Christ. Doesn't make sense, does it? We should be overwhelmed with gratitude, but when things are going smooth, it's easier to coast spiritually. And then, as we are coasting, we lose momentum, but we, we lose momentum so slowly that we really don't realize how far we've drifted until we stop. And when we stop is usually when something comes up that reminds us that we're not in control and we need Jesus. It's the story of the Israelites, right? <laughs> it's just roller coaster. It need not be that way. If we rejoice always in the Lord, it won't be like that. When great things are happening, we're praising God the whole time. We're giving Him the glory the whole time. And we know that if, if it changes... He's still God and He's still in control. We're not rejoicing in our wealth. We're not rejoicing in our circumstances. We're not rejoicing in being comfortable or safe. We're rejoicing in the Lord. Prayer. Supplication. And what's next? Thanksgiving helps. Now, just the opposite of what we talked about. It's easier to thank God when things are what we want them to be. <laughs> have you ever, I've said it. I'm not even going to say, have you ever heard? I've said it. Something bad could have happened, but it didn't. So we say, God is good. And He is, right? But if it did happen, something bad happens, God is good. 
That's what Job said, right? Naked I came into the world, and naked I'll leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But I tell you this, and I don't mean to minimize anybody's suffering at all in this room or anywhere else, but if we try hard enough, no matter our circumstance, we can have gratitude for what God has done. My old buddy Larry Logan says it like this, if God never did another thing for me, He's already done more than I deserve. Larry always gets an amen. (laughs) We have so much to be grateful for. But between me and you and the fence post, sometimes I just am not very grateful. Sometimes I get a little bit entitled. And sometimes I start clinging to comfort. Well, that's not what Jesus did. Go back and read Philippians 2. He left heaven. He did not consider equality with God something to be clung to or to be grasped. He emptied Himself. And He took on the form of a bondservant. We have so much to be thankful for. We have a Savior that loves us so well. A Savior that demonstrated His love for us by dying on the cross. Demonstrated His power to forgive us of sin by raising Himself, being raised from the grave. A Savior who never gives up on us. Who is faithful when we're not. A Savior who provides all that we need. A Savior who has prepared a place for us in eternity. A Savior who is constantly interceding on our behalf at the right hand of the Father of glory. A Savior who is large and in charge. Who has all authority over every dimension. A God in heaven that knows us by name. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows our thoughts before we ever know them ourselves. The words before we speak them. He knew our days before we ever lived one of them. He loves us with a perfect everlasting love. The Bible calls his patience long suffering. You ever blow it? You ever think, man, how could God love me? I'm so knuckleheaded. How did I chicken out like that? How did I deny him like that? How did I lose my cool like that? How did I forget my religion? How could God love me so faithfully? Here's the answer. He doesn't love you based on your performance. He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took our sin on the cross and He gave us His righteousness. God doesn't love us based on our performance. He doesn't love you any more when you do good. And He doesn't love you any less when you fall short. Matter of fact, we all fall short. (laughs) And the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. We have so much to be grateful for. And I'm, I'm trying to keep our focus on heavenly things, right? And that's really what it fast forwards to. And by the way, I'm taking my time. I forgot to tell you earlier, but there's going to be a baptism in here tonight. And Brother Wade asked me to keep you guys until the baptism. Derek said it'd be about a quarter after. 
I'm guessing it's going to be more like 720. And so then we're all going to go in there and be a part of that baptism. The children are going to come out. The youth are going to be in there. The CLT will be out. So that's why we're taking our time. So don't get in a hurry. I told Derek, I said, now look, I think these folks are setting their ways. You go too long, they might start leaving on me. Uh, so I'm going slow. Thanksgiving. Man, we have so much to be thankful for. And we have material things to be thankful for. God's giver of all good things. When we have a roof over our head, we tell Him thank you. But the next portion of Scripture, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know, the diff- I know what it's like to, to, to have a house and I know what it's like to be homeless. I know what it's like to have plenty and I know what it's like to be in want. I know what it's like to worship and celebrate and be thankful and rejoice in God no matter my circumstances. I long to be there, y'all. I long to consistently walk like that. I want that to be my legacy. Trey loved God. He lived for eternity. And when we do, we just don't cling to this world. This old back of bones that's falling apart. Near as much. Be thankful. It says, don't be anxious, but, and listen to all this emphatic language, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Sometimes, I just have to say, God, thank you that we have access to your holy throne, that we can bring these requests before you, that we can, we can leave these things in your care and trust you with everything. We, we can just trust him. And there's a lot to be grateful for there. Let your request be made known to God. And what will happen? What is the result? The peace of God. First you have rejoice in the Lord and now you have the peace of God. Which surpasses all understanding. It it doesn't make sense to be able to have peace in any circumstance. It doesn't make sense. This isn't the peace of man. This is the peace of God. Will guard, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's so good that we can trust Him and He gives us peace that surpasses understanding. Y'all, have y'all ever experienced this kind of peace? In, a, in just a, a horrendous circumstance? A peace that doesn't make sense? I, I think about... Stephen, while he's being stoned to death, says his face shone like an angel as he gazed into heaven and, and, and rejoiced as they stoned him to death. That's, that's, that's crazy. That's the peace of God. But it happens on a regular, a regular basis for us. I think that these different words will hit home in different ways for different folks. But Paul's given us a little more instruction. 
Brothers, finally brothers, whatever's true. Now he gets back down here and says, think about these things. What is true? Remember in the, in, in, um, the high priestly prayer when Jesus said, protect him in the truth. What is truth? What did he say? God's word is truth. Well, think on God's Word. i tell you something else about me that I don't like. I can be so impatient. I spend so much of my time with the Lord trying to read more and more and more instead of just slowing down and, and really thinking deeply about it. And when I have a, a chance, when God provides me a, a accountability, if you will, to teach, I have to slow down and really chew on stuff and think about it. And I'll find myself driving down the road thinking about it. I'll find myself in the office not just reading it, but thinking, okay, now what does that mean? What is truth? God's Word is truth. What does it mean to think about that? How do we think about it? When do we think about it? Where do I think about it? What kind of truth? What are the, you know... You know what Satan attacks us with? What's the opposite of truth? Satan's called the what? The father of? He attacks us with lies. But God's word is truth. How do you combat it? With truth. How did Jesus combat lies? The lies of Satan. With the word of God. With truth. How are we going to know what truth is? If we don't slow down to think about it. Or if we don't ever read it. We got to meditate on it, right? Psalm 1. Man, that's a good one, y'all. To meditate on it is to chew on it deeply. To think over it. Mull over it. Over and over. Like a cow chews cud. Over and over. To wring out every bit of it as we, that we can. All the nutrients and goodness. Not just to read it at face value. But to chew on it. And to think about it. And to think about what does it mean and also how does it apply? How can we be better at thinking about what's true? Well, one thing we can do is protect ourselves from being distracted by lies. There is so much out there that is not true, that is competing for our attention and even our affection, constantly bombarding us with lies, things that aren't true. You combat lies with truth. And God's word is truth. Read it. Think about it. Look up the words that you don't know what they mean. Guys, I still look up English words in the Bible. Much less Greek words. <laughs> right? Like, what does that word mean? <laughs> it's okay to look up English words. It's good for you. To get the meaning of it. That's why I say read it in different translations. Because it helps you to think about it. Maybe one word just really stands out more than another word does. You got in the same, the same word. We looked, we had, Chris had supplication. And somebody else had petition. We got different words that might help us understand more what that means. Think about what's true. I remember having a seminary professor that liked to talk about 
using his sanctified imagination. And, and, and just pondering on what ifs or what it would have been like, you know, to see that. Or, you know, what, what are these creatures described in heaven? What are they going to look like? You know, thinking about these things, like just, just mulling over it day and all day long. It's like just forgetting what you're doing, missing a turn because you're so deep in thought about what you've been reading and studying. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable. Whatever is just. Y'all know some things just aren't fair, right? Some things just aren't right. God's going to make all things right. I was talking to an old friend today. I've been trying to minister to him for years. And I've tried to show him love. I've spoken truth to him very gently. I've spoken truth to him very directly. I've gotten him hotel rooms, bought him meals, sent him money when he was in prison. And I didn't do what he wanted me to do today. And so he, he's going to tell me, well, you, you don't care about me. You're just a hypocrite. Now I know he's trying to manipulate but he's, he doesn't understand. And I tried to explain to him, no, what I, I've tried to help you, and you made bad decisions. And now that I'm not bailing you out of your bad decision, <laughs> you're mad at me. And the guy told me, you better hope I don't see you before I calm down. Well, you know what my flesh thought? <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> I was thinking... I wonder if I could choke him out. <laughs> That's my flesh. And it's pride. It's pride. And you know what truth came to my mind? Because it's not, the way he was think, talking to him, he's not just. It's not right. It's not just. We want justice, right? But it's mingled with pride in my life a lot of times. So I start daydreaming. Well, what if, what if he comes in the, the church building and he starts to try to swing. And I thought, well, what if I just didn't fight? What if I just, just said, you know what? I love you. Take, take whatever happens. But then I start thinking, I wonder if Wade would come out and take him out. <laughs> <laughs> and then God brought Proverbs to mind. You know what Proverbs says? A gentle answer turns away wrath. And it changed my whole mood and my whole train of thought. Changed the way that I was going to respond to him. It, it, it made me think, you know, in this situation, I just might, as much as my pride would hate it, I just might not fight. I might just not fight. I might not defend myself. I might not even try. And I was thinking, man, everybody's going to see me with a black eye. <laughs> and none of this is happening. I don't think it's going to happen. But I had this, this train of vain thoughts, a lot of vanity and God reminded me, he showed me my pride and he showed me a lot of the stuff behind why I would do what I do. And just reminded me, look, a gentle answer, that's truth. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Not every time. And I think sometimes you do defend yourself or you do defend the weak, but sometimes you turn the other cheek. I just, I feel like that's, we got to let the word of God direct us. We ready?
All right, good, good. So let's fly now. Thank you all. So we got truth and justice, whatever is pure. There's so much perversion in our world in so many ways. I'm not just talking about sexual immorality, but just so much. So many things are just perverted and twisted and wrong. Don't dwell on those things. That's not going to give you peace. Dwell on, on what's pure and lovely, commendable and excellent. That's moral excellence. If anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now here's my encouragement to you. Take this list and chew on it. I want to ask you to really chew on it. As you drive down the road, think about the words of this list. And think about how you can use that list to guide your thoughts. It's going to affect probably what, what you watch on television. It's going to affect how often you allow the news. It's good to be informed. Man, it is not good for you to only watch the news all day long. It's just not good for you. It produces anxiety. Filter all that through truth. And I tell you this, Proverbs is a great place to gain wisdom and knowledge to help you filter truth. Read a proverb a day and allow God's word to guide your thoughts and see the world through the lens of Scripture and see this life through the lens of eternity. And the God of peace will be with you. And you can trust Him in any circumstance. And if you can trust Him in any circumstance, you can rejoice always and be anxious for nothing. And by the way, just a little side note and then we'll go in here. I'm not talking about clinical anxiety and things like that. I'm, I'm speaking of when we worry and fret over things that we can't control anyway. What Jesus said, tomorrow has enough worries for its own. Trust Him today. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this night. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You so very much for the peace that surpasses understanding. Thank You for joy and unity in Christ. Thank You for the opportunity to pray to You. Thank You for salvation. Thank You for truth. Thank You for Your Spirit. Guide us and use our lives to point other people to You when they see the peace of God in us that surpasses understanding. Give us opportunity to tell them about the God of peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.